Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I like doing it. You know, I love running routes. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. They seem like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clipped that. Looking forward to facing your mom at some point. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad cases. I've never had no bad cases, really. All right, it's Wednesday, August 17th, and oh, man. I'm so fired up because we have a great, great, great show. That's right. Three greats. It's a great show on tap for you today. I am, of course, joined by my fellow stat nerd, Dalton Deldon. Dalton, we're talking about your second favorite team today, buddy. The Houston Texans. How excited are you? Super excited. Let's go. I know you guys went out of your way to make sure I was uh, scheduled for for the Houston talk. So definitely looking forward to talking some Texans. Let's, Let's do it. Oh yeah, there was there was a lot of schedule adjustment just to make sure you were on the Houston Texans episode. But before we get to the Texans and uh, a special guest that we've got coming up later in the show, let's dive into some running back news. Dalton, later on this week, we're going to have you on uh, to talk about your running backs. You're ahead of consensus on where you're differing from the industry. I can't wait. That's going to be an absolute just flamethrower of an episode. But we do have some kind of like running back dead zone-ish guys to talk about today because they're sort of in the news, starting with this one. And I think Ramondre Stevenson actually comes a little bit after the dead zone. Damian Harris probably more so squarely in the dead zone. But anyways, Andy and I talked about James White's retirement. I believe that was last week. Um, and some of the like weird Ty Montgomery speculation about him taking over the James White role. But, you know, we kind of want Ramondre Stevenson in that role, really, if he's going to hit his ADP. And according to Mass Lives, Chris Mason, Ramondre Stevenson has been practicing in that James White role this week. Dalton, where are you on this Patriots backfield? Uh, you can take this to Stevenson, Harris, uh, any of the other guys. So I love Stevenson, the player. He's clearly the best here at the most fantasy upside, especially since he's a receiving down back as well. Um, I just look at all the underlying metrics. Looks like he could be you know, a fantasy league winner. Having said that, I copped out and ranked him back to back with Damian Harris. And I can see nice. why the head Steven- rank. Stevenson's going actually higher than him in some PPR formats. And I can totally understand why for reasons I, I said. But Harris was the touchdown hammer last year. And the counter to to the Stevenson hype is there's also, you said, Ty Montgomery. Even they drafted Pierre Strong, who was pretty good pass catcher in college. But the real issue I have here is Patricia, Joe Judge. Uh, it was a weird answer by Belichick of, of who is calling the plays this year. It has been dramatically pessimistic, the reports from the offensive performance this summer. So there is that. I mean, it's a weird situation, whatever's going on offense there. And it might be a full-blown committee with three, four backs and uh, just be frustrating week to week. So I can see both sides here, but Stevenson certainly has the upside and I would not fault anyone for, gr- for grabbing him, you know, if you liked him the best here, because there's, there's a scenario here in which he emerges and he's a, a top 10 fantasy back entering next year. Yeah, you know, I've talked about that draft that we're in together that Edwin Porras put on uh, the injury-prone draft. Maybe we could talk more about that draft actually on the next episode. But um, I actually took Damien Harris in that draft, but it's because he fell to freaking running back 34, you know. So I'm totally comfortable taking shots on these guys in that range. Um, Stevenson actually in this draft went a full round earlier at running back 30 to Ray Garvin, which I think in analyst leagues – you know, these us hardcore dorks like Stevenson has been steamed up pretty hard because 
people know the talent is there and that he might have this pass catching role. But I think in most casual drafts, like folks that are going to be drafted on Yahoo in the next couple of weeks here in August, I do think Harris is going to kind of go. I mean, from a consensus uh, ADP perspective, you know, Damian Harris is all the way up there pretty high, like running back 27. That's that's kind of where I've got him ranked, but I don't really draft him a lot there. It's a good point about industry leagues p- pumping up uh, more Stevens in the next big thing. And it's, it should be worth noting that that league we're playing in is full PPR. Yes, but yeah, the half, p- half point PPR. Damian Harris, by the way, is a good football player. Not just yeah. 15 touchdowns, not just 15 touchdowns, but I believe the all-time leader in yards per carry at Alabama. Um, he just doesn't offer anything in the passing game and you're relying on touchdowns. So that's why, and Stevenson just looked like a special, like wow yes. back. And now even Belichick is going out of his way. I think I described it in my fearless forecast for Damian Harris is he's a good back who's now competing with a great back. And even Belichick is just described or, or praised uh, Stevenson's pass protection. And, you know, that's he never does that. So, yes, Stevenson, <laughs> again, you could see both sides here in a committee in a bad offensive situation or, boy, this guy's one of the five best real-life running backs in, in the NFL right now. And next year he's going to be drafted a whole lot higher in fantasy. Yeah, I still have a tier gap between Harris and Stevenson, and I I think I want to close that gap and maybe actually bring Stevenson into the dead zone kind of group with some of these other players that we're about to talk about, including Damian Harris. And I'll just say one last point about the offensive transition. I'm obviously freaked out about, you know, freaking Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, like alternating play callings. I mean, it's just like, it's as much as I've clowned on the Seahawks for having an unserious quarterback situation, this is about as unserious an offensive coordinator situation as you could probably have. Um, and in that they're apparently trying to transition the Patriots from like a gap based power running scheme to like a Shanahan style zone scheme, which is pretty ambitious uh, when you're having Matt Patricia, like coach the offensive line or whatever. Remember Matt Patricia is a defensive coordinator <laughs> originally. So a lot, a lot of things going on there, but I do think that scheme doesn't really fit Damian Harris and does fit Ramondre Stevenson's game. Despite the fact that they're both bigger backs, Stevenson's just got really great like feet. He's a great rusher in general. So um, I don't know. I, I definitely want to take the plunge on the upside of Stevenson, but he has to, he does have to go in consensus. ADP is going at running back 36. That's a total, like it's totally plausible. I think to take him there because he, he would also have big upside if Damian Harris was to ever get hurt or anything like that. So I've been on um, Stevenson and kind of off Damian Harris unless he falls uh, like he did in that draft to me. Um, next one here, the Washington Post's Sam Fortier reports that Antonio Gibson is practicing with the commander's punt team and third string offense. Has anyone had a worse offseason than, uh, than Antonio Gibson, Dalton? Anybody? Yeah, arguably not. Um, I turned in my uh, running backs I liked less than ADP, uh, filed it late last week, and one of my guys was Gibson, and by now it looks like Captain Obvious. I mean, the reports have been playing with the punt team, Um, but my concerns were... Were, were before that were, were a bunch anyway. I mean, they, they brought back J.D. McKissick. Uh, the rookie Brian Robinson was already going to be talked about to take over short yardage work. And then Gibson went out and fumbled again in the preseason, and he's had a persistent problem there. So you take away short yardage work and passing down work on an offense with Carson Wentz at quarterback. I mean, those are some really empty carry trap carries in between the 20s. So no thanks for Gibson. He should be falling down everyone's draft board. Yeah, arguably the most, the, the biggest faller throughout summer. Yeah, I think so. And I wasn't going to necessarily chase Brian Robinson because I'm, I'm really not. You know, Andy and I talked about this, that I'm not really sure how good of a player Brian Robinson is. But um, I do think that the coaching staff is open to outright replacing Antonio Gibson, clearly. You know, and he's going outside the top 55 backs in consensus ADP as Brian Robinson. I took him in a different managed league draft that I'm in, not the same one that we're in, but I took him. Outside the top 50 backs, like later on, Brian Robinson, because I think he's got some upside to potentially just usurp the early down roll and have goal line carries. You know, he's still not going to be passing down back. There's still holes there, but you're taking him so, so late that I think it's probably worth it. And <laughs> where would Antonio Gibson, because he still has injury upside, right? If one of these other guys gets hurt, you know, JD McKissick, if Brian Robinson gets hurt, he would take over their role. Where would Gibson have to fall for you to feel like, okay, I could, I could take him here? I'm pretty out on him because the other thing here is Carson Wentz. And let me reiterate that for one, he does not throw to his running backs. That, that That's an issue too. So even if McKissick got hurt, uh, he would not suddenly see like a, a dominant target share. Wentz has not done that in his career. I get the idea that he's an upgrade over Heineke. I, I understand that. 
but he still was bottom three and on target percentage last year. And you hear the summer reports are bad. Uh, and he was playing indoors last year and now he's outdoors. I think Wentz could just be a real big problem for the offense in general. I have McLaurin who I love scary Terry 10 spots below ADP among my wide receivers. I, I just think it's an, an issue here with the, the quarterback, the offensive system, and now three running backs in, in there. So, I mean, it would take a dramatic discount for me to be interested in, in Gibson, which I, I, get, I get get that the, hates, the hate could go too far because everyone's going to be down on him with these reports. I mean, practicing with the punt team is kind of funny, but then if you follow the report later, he went and returned to the ones. So who knows where this all ends up and maybe Gibson will end up a value. But for me, uh, I, I, it, I'm just going to stay away from pretty much all Washington players. Yeah, I mean, I'm still definitely drafting Terry McLaurin, um, and I don't, I don't mind drafting Jahan Dotson because he goes so late. I'm, I, I don't know. I, I've said this before that I, I really like the way Scott Turner calls plays, and I've still been, um, I don't know, man. I, I've still been kind of in on on Washington's offense, but the Wentz factor is definitely scary. Um, round 14, uh, the second to last pick in the the 14th round. That's where I took Brian Robinson in the Apex uh, Writers League. Um, so that's kind of I'm totally fine taking shots on on Brian Robinson there. Um, yeah, it's this thing like the only guy you really have to pay like a sort of premium for is Terry McLaurin in this offense. And I, I'm fine because he's such a good player. And if he's going around like wide receiver 14, 15. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm I, I kind of I don't know. I kind of find myself liking this Washington offense because there's just the Wentz factor certainly priced in with almost all of these guys. Yeah, no, that is true. hundred percent. That That is true. And McLaurin's the only guy that yeah, costs anything close to, to a higher higher draft pick. Uh, we'll see. That's a loaded Eagle secondary. They played twice. Um, like, again, outdoors <laughs> Wentz. Um, you shouldn't just ignore any team. And I shouldn't. It's all about value and cost. So, so that is a very good point. But uh, for me, I just personally, I don't think I have, I really don't think I have many Washington players at all on any of my many, too many teams I've drafted so far. But it could be to my detriment. Fair point. Um, I really Dotson don't. is making some noise, and, and and Curtis Samuel, your guy Curtis Samuel, apparently he's overtaken him right away. I mean, yeah. Dotson's an interesting making some noise. For oh, sure. I, he's 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 on the radar. My I love the Curtis Samuel Jahan Dotson quote battle in Washington because I love both <laughs> players. So it's like, hey baby, I can't lose here, right? I mean, well, I could lose in the end because Carson freaking wins, but I mean that's yeah, so nobody really wins there. But um, I do lo I love Jahan Dotson as a player, and I think like. Um, you know, I, I grew up uh, in in around the D.C. area. I've got a lot of friends who are, are Washington fans. God bless them. What a miserable bunch of people. But they were all, you know, who the hell is this Jahan Dotson guy? Like, he was not supposed to be a first round pick. Like, no, trust me. I know it seems aggressive, but he's a good player. Like, he's a Doug. You know, even if he never becomes a number one. Who cares? They needed wide receiver help so badly on that team. And yeah, I mean, I'll always have a, a candle lit for my guy, Curtis Samuel, but it sounds like his health is like he can just never play a full snap load ever again because of that health. But um, yeah, Antonio Gibson, I think that's an easy call, though. Like he's just a, he's just a pass right now. And I, I guarantee you it's if he ever has I guarantee you he's going to be like a, a drop candidate probably in the first like four or five weeks of the season because the usage is, is just not going to be there. Yeah. That's that's uh this is gonna be tough if you're Antonio Gibson. All right, let's move on. This one I think is pretty complicated. Ravens head coach John Harbaugh said J.K. Dobbins is quote kind of back on track. Okay, I don't know what kind of means. Um, J.K. Dobbins is tough. He started camp on the pup. We know there was the infamous uh Twitter spat between him and Ian Rapport from the NFL Network when um you know J.K. Dobbins said I might not start camp on the pup. Well, he did start camp on the pup and basically guaranteed like he's going to be out there for week one. You know, some of the uh, fantasy doctors and stuff have been pretty um skeptical on J.K. Dobbins and you know that this wasn't just a clean ACL tear and and it was more complicated than that. J.K. Dobbins' ADP has certainly been rising. Right now, he's running back 24 in consensus ADP, which I think is fine. But he varies widely based on the platform that you're that you're drafting in. Where are you comfortable with taking the plunge on J.K. Dobbins? Because if he was healthy, you know, the outlook is pretty good on him for the most part. I've been avoiding him and been skeptical because a lot of leagues I'm in, he has been aggressively uh, drafted. And I get it there with the rest of the running back room there is pretty, uh, you know, weak competition. But yeah, the latest reports, his leg got real tired yesterday going through an individual period. Or speaking to fantasy doctors, our guy Edwin Porras, a real nice tweet saying where the average running back dip in fantasy points per game after year one of ACL is 17% dip. And, you know, 12 months post-op, still dealing with a tired leg. 
He's skeptical, and so am I. The Ravens don't throw to their running backs. Lamar is going to take a lot of the rushing scores, too, so it's not an ideal situation, although obviously it helps the yards per carry. But it just seems to me like it's going to be a committee with him coming back from such a serious injury. If you can be patient and you get a close to 100% Dobbins down the stretch, that could be, could be great, but it feels like there's no guarantee he doesn't start the season on Pup, and there's uh, going to be some Mike Davis early on and a committee in a, in a situation that doesn't get thrown to a lot and has a beast of a quarterback who can score around the goal line. So, so not really super excited with Dobbins and all this area is the dead zone for a reason. And it's the area Mm -hmm. in which I would suggest avoiding. Yeah. I mean, the thing with the Ravens right now is like Gus Edwards also is, he's probably not going to start the season. He's not going to be out there for week one. I struggle with JK Dobbins because I hear like all of the negativity and it's well taken. By the way, we're going to have Edwin Porras on the show, I think, next week. So that will be good. Um, Tyler Beatty, the rookie running back on the team, mm-hmm. is kind of worth monitoring as Justice well. Justice Hill. Justice Hill is, is, is reemerged. Not, not kidding. No, it's I'm still, serious. It's I, still I, a thing. Still a thing. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you laugh and scoff, but I, I don't know. I think he might even – he's there too. I don't know. Maybe, maybe he's completely uh, past, past chance of Justice Hill, but there's actually been some buzz. There has been. Yeah, no, but I think that just all adds to kind of the murkiness of the situation. But I mean, with J.K. Dobbins, I did move him up to like my fourth tier of running backs and running back 18 on the, you know, coming off the pup and like some of the positivity there, because I mean, let me just list off the the list of names I have after him. Elijah Moore, Travis Etienne, Brees Hall, uh, CEH, David Montgomery. And I think I still got to tank David Montgomery more. I'd still rather have J.K. Dobbins than all of those guys. I think I'm ranked everyone above everyone you said as well. Cause I, yeah, yeah. It's, I just hate this whole spot. We could talk yeah, about my disgusting. guy, Damian Pierce. I could talk my guy, Damian Pierce into uh, above all these guys. By the time we're done with this podcast, uh, I heard we'll you get, and Andy we'll... joking that you're saying, <laughs> going to have him oh, top yeah. 10, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I have uh, Dobbins as my RB round 22, which is right with the, even ahead of ECR. But so it's, it's, it's a horrible spot from those running backs 21 on is my opinion, but yeah, sure. If you like him uh, better than any of those, I wouldn't argue. Yeah, um, it's just you're right. This is a gross area to rank running backs, and it's like somebody's got to be ahead of somebody else. And I'm not really gonna, but that doesn't mean you need to draft uh, like a player. I, I, in this group, exactly. I just always want to take a running back every single time. Last guy we're gonna talk about here in this sort of dead zone thought. Another guy that I've been kind of coming down on as well. Rams coach Sean McVay said that both Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson are dealing with soft tissue injuries and are being held out of practice. Um, here's the, here's the problem with these two guys, man, because you know we've talked about on the on the podcast last couple of weeks that McVay has said that he believes they have two starting running backs, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, that's great. You have two starting running backs that are hurt all the time. I mean, especially Daryl Henderson. Every time Daryl Henderson seems like he's going to get rolling, he gets injured. The whole part about how Cam Akers dominated the touches during the postseason run. Daryl Henderson was injured during that run, and then as soon as he came back in for the Super Bowl, he started getting touches late in the game. You know, Andy talked up uh, their rookie running back as a guy that could potentially be somebody to watch. He's been injured as well this offseason, but still, I do think that's a good point. Where are you at with Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, guys who we do need to stay healthy and have struggled to do so? I'm worried about Akers. Uh, yeah. Just he just looks so bad returning. For, it was impressive that he returned so quickly from the Achilles. But uh, more Edwin Porras. He's you know he says that just might be the player he he ends up being. There's not no guarantee yeah. he'll be better this year because because of, of an off season uh, further off season removed. The Rams had 80 percent of their touchdowns, 81 percent via the pass last year. Um, they really don't target their running backs since the last three years. I think more than like 12 percent. League average is 19 percent. But then Todd Gurley scored all those touchdowns. I mean, I'm not going to argue that the McVay system couldn't produce a fantastic fantasy player, but it appears that it's going to be split evenly, even uh, McVay is saying, between Henderson and Akers. So uh, I think you got to really lower Akers based on where he was going a couple months ago and consider this a two-committee backfield. But Henderson can't stay healthy either. This is one that I've I've been kind of avoiding, more dead zone area that's just just frustrating, man. I, I would rather A.J. Dillon, definitely rather my guy Elijah Mitchell, even with the news of him missing preseason with a hamstring way over this acres dobbins um gibson situation yeah i kind of hear you on that kyron williams is the rookie running back at another game that andy highlighted um i think that's a good uh a good a good call out there um so dalton 
let's rank these running backs uh, that we just talked about. Ramondre Stevenson, Antonio Gibson, J.K. Dobbins, and Cam Akers. Put them in order for me, bro. What, uh, which guys would you rather have? <laughs> Man, I need to. I might need to rethink this, but it's I have an Akers, Dobbins, and Stevenson um, in a distant fourth uh, for me, Gibson, but I don't feel strongly about that at all. What about you? I have it uh, right now, Akers, Dobbins, Gibson, Stevenson, and I need to adjust Antonio Gibson for sure. But, yeah, I, God, I, I, I don't love it, man. I, I need to – this is this is the thing, man. Preseason does cause you to, to re-rank some things because, you know, you do your initial projections and things come out this way. But a lot of these guys, all four – you know, Stevenson I think is trending the right direction, but the other three guys really not trending the direction you want. I, I think – I think I'd probably rather have J.K. Dobbins uh, than Cam Akers now that I'm looking at it, and I would definitely rather have Ramondre Stevenson than Antonio Gibson. Um, man, God, what a what a mess. What a mess, uh, this group of running backs right Yeah, just here. avoid them. Avoid that area. Yeah. Try to avoid that area. Yeah, like we have – that's the thing. When you rank for fantasy, like you have to rank everybody, but I'm not telling you to – I'm not like banging on the table to draft any of these guys, except – Stevenson when he goes outside the top 30 backs like if he's going to go outside the top 30 backs I will take a shot on Ramondre Stevenson every time because I think he's got a, a great profile to be a breakout running back and um, generally just really like the talent so and injuries can cause some chaos there and he might have that passing down role I think honestly like the guy I'd most want to draft I'm not going to rank him first but the guy I'd most want to draft here is for sure Ramondre Stevenson with with the uh, ADP taken into account yeah, and when I was going, when we were talking about, it, I was I might even rank him highest anyway, even if it, regardless of ADP, he has the most upside. Stevenson has the most upside among this group. Yeah, Dalton, come on, man, we know how you rank. Like you, I wanna, know. what you, am I doing? I'm gonna. What move are you doing? Those. You're right. Yeah. What are I'm you doing? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sure. more of a co- I'm more of a coward than you because yeah. I I won't rank that way. But like, if I I'm like living vicariously through you with your with. Your I will rankings. write this wrong as we speak right now. I'm moving Stevenson above them. Yeah. Oh. Look at that, man. Now that that's that's good stuff. That's good stuff. We got we got Dalton to be true to himself. All right. Now let's be really true to yourself here, Dalton. And let's talk about your second favorite team, the Houston Texans. I mean, you've got Trey Lance uh, for any. I mean, if anybody sees the videos from this, they'll, they'll see that you've got Trey Lance, the picture there uh, behind you. When are we going to add the Davis Mills picture uh, b- below Trey Lance, ahead of Trey Lance, next to Trey Lance? What's the deal? Yeah, you know, top 10 fantasy QB over the final five weeks. I've I've talked about the splits, but dude, at home last year, 7.9 YPA, 12 touchdowns, one interception, just one fumble. This was with the bad offense that would call run plays on first down repeatedly, and they'd have no success. So he's in bad situations on third down. Um, yeah, the detective, I, I just believe, oh, God, here's another one. Completion percentage over expectation for rookie QBs the last three years. Only four of them are in the positive. That's Joe Burrow. Justin Herbert, Mac Jones, and Mills. And I mean, all the rest, you know, the Kyler Murrays, uh, Hurts, all of them, Trevor Lawrence, uh, negative. So I, I think there's a lot to like about Mills. Pep Hamilton, now QB coach there. Yeah. Um, and Nico Collins ready to break out. So um, uh, one of my favorite super flex picks. Um, I couldn't help myself. I grabbed him in the league we keep talking about as, a, as my third QB in the industry one. I like Davis Mills. Uh, you know, you say my Texans and you guys joke, but it's funny, I'm actually... Uh, you know, I, I talk about the big survivor pool that I signed up for six million dollar payout. And one of the most popular picks, we, the big, the most favorite team week one are the uh, the Colts, uh, eight, eight and a half points in Houston. And I'm going to avoid that one. So I'm going to be a big Texans guy and hope there's carnage and I hope they pull off that upset for sure. So you kid, but I'll happily take that moniker as, as a Texans guy, at least for week one. I'm not I'm not kidding, man. I'm 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 serious about this. You you are in on the Texans. And you know what, Dalton? Like, I I kind of agree with you because there are a lot of players to like here. And the only, so let's start with the guy that I think most fantasy managers are going to be familiar with, you know, that, that he's going to obviously be drafted the highest and that's Brandon cooks, Brandon cooks right now um, in consensus ADP, you know, he goes in a pretty, he, he he's so boring, like seemingly, which is, um, is weird. Cause he just is productive every year, but you know, he's wide receiver 20. He goes kind of around some guys who are a little more intriguing or have had that like quarterback change or whatever, uh, changing teams, et cetera. But man, Brandon Cooks this every year, pumps out a thousand yards. I think he was really good last year. And that target share should be pretty secure. Um, I actually kind of regret in uh, in this league, again, that we keep bringing up in this league that uh, we were in together. 
I actually, I think I took someone ahead of Brandon Cooks. I'm, I'm looking it up uh, as we speak. I took Juju ahead of Brandon Cooks, even though my rankings don't reflect that. I actually have Brandon Cooks ranked a little higher. And I mean, I really like Juju this year and I wanted to just do it. And I, I didn't think he was going to come back to me in the, in the next round. But I, I did look at the draft board after. and was like, hmm. I do have Brandon Cooks ranked higher, and I kind of feel a little bit better about him, but I think Juju's got a better ceiling. Cooks is rock solid. Couple, uh, I'll give you two sides. One, um, Pat Thorman tweets, he's mislabeled as injury prone. Dude's only missed four games uh, over the last 117 regular season games, and he's younger than Cooper Cup. Uh, conversely, though, uh, he was targeted on 29% of his routes with Nico Collins off the field, fell to 22% with, with Nico Collins on the field. So, uh, and Collins figures to only be better this year too. So something, but Davis Mills can take a step up this year and, and support two fantasy receivers. No, no problem. Um, we'll get to the tight end situation there, but, um, but yeah, Brandon Cooks being drafted as a top 25 fantasy wide receiver. And uh, I get that there's like maybe less upside than some around him and say maybe a Jerry Judy going in a similar spot or an Elijah Moore. Those guys have a higher seat ceiling but cooks has a higher floor i'll tell you that much so yeah rock solid pick yeah for sure i, I really like brandon cooks there again i kind of wish i had drafted him for that security because i took elijah moore with my next pick and i think that would have made sense to combine a really safe um player in brandon cooks and a guy with a little more risk in uh elijah moore all right guess you, who you, i have ranked higher guess which one i have ranked. i higher. mean i don't <laughs> no, i don't have to ask i know you've got elijah moore ranked higher which i really respect i, I don't i just want to say it on the podcast i respect the shit out of you for for being this this type of ranker uh, one one real quick and i know we get, get get to the special guest here soon and wrap up the texans pod but i i just going crazy how the zach wilson injury you know how last week i got very upset about how the the matthew stafford injury was getting weirdly treated differently this year in in the media okay here's my new my new my new twitter beef of the week okay do you know fun 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 facts here elijah moore last year with zach wilson off the field was the wide receiver four with with zach wilson quarterback elijah moore was the wide receiver 84 in fantasy so <laughs> I, I have all these people are like oh my my Brees hall stats and all my elijah moore shares what are we going to do if zach wilson is hurt i get it you're expecting to leap in the second year and i'm not really going to defend joe flacco here but there is magic mike white there in jets and let me tell you it would it you would expect a very gigantic leap from zach wilson to even get where the performance of these backup quarterbacks were last year so that's all i have to say there and i hope i'm very glad zach wilson by the way is not a serious injury and hope to yeah. see him back there in week one which by the way completely throws the survivor another another monkey wrench there because you know the ravens were definitely an option there and now i'm curious who's going to be starting there you know how all the best ball bros memorize week 17 matchups yeah. all i care about is the week one matchups for my survivor pool <laughs> <laughs> dalton you're you're killing me with this i mean this is see look we i said one of my goals was to get dalton to tweet more we're, we've got him in twitter beefs like even if it's just and I do the same thing. I don't need like engage in any of the beefs I have, but I sit there and like look, scroll through my phone, get annoyed or whatever. Like probably annoy my wife and be like, "You never believe what happened on Twitter today." Like somebody's wrong on the internet, and like unfortunately, you're the one that's got to hear about it. So um, that's certainly an irritating trend uh, that I have. But yeah, look, we're getting we're de getting Dalton closer to to letting this fire out on Twitter because we've got him in these beefs. And to your point though, Dalton, Elijah Moore last year his best game in terms of yards, 141 yards against the Dolphins with Joe Flacco starting. That was his highest yardage game by 57 yards as a rookie. So I'm with you on that. But we're still doing the Texans preview. We, yeah. we got him. We got him. And we've mentioned his name several times. And I want to hammer in here on Nico Collins because, dude, I, I think Nico Collins is so underrated right now. I have him ranked 14 spots of head of consensus. I have him ranked as wide receiver 51 because – and I have him ranked that high because I want to signal to people that use my rankings – draft Nico Collins in the last round pretty much every time. Cause I think when you look at the guys that he's around, I'm just looking at, and like from an ADP perspective, dude, he's, he's, he's like not even being drafted. He's like outside the 200, uh, the 200 picks uh, here for, for like, I'm looking at consensus ADP right now. And he's behind Will Fuller, Will Fuller, a uh, former Texans player and not even on a damn team right now, you know, behind Donovan Peoples Jones. Uh, give me a break here. Uh, Nico Collins is going to moonwalk into 100 targets on this Texans team. Um, your guy, Davis Mills, is pretty good. Agree with that. And and I think Nico Collins is, is pretty good, too. You know, I, he didn't turn out like a superstar in reception perception or anything, but we are working on a player comparison tool. And he, these are two I – mean, he's got some goofball comparisons in there, no doubt about it. But his rookie year reception perception also compares favorably to these two players in their rookie year, 
T. Higgins and A.J. Brown. I'm not saying that he's going to become like he's. I don't think he's going to become A.J. Brown, but it, he could become like maybe a poor man's version of of T. Higgins. And I don't know. He looked like he profiles as a true X receiver type, you know, that is a solid route runner, gets off press coverage, wins in contested situations. And again, he's he's going to moonwalk into a lot of targets because can you can you name me some of the other absolute goofballs on this Texans uh, wide receiver depth chart? Yeah, it's ugly. Chris Moore, Chris Conley, I believe is a real good blocker. But not only that tight end, as much as I liked my guy, Brevin Jordan, you don't love how he's getting used this preseason. I mean, he may not even be the starter there with Pharaoh Brown. And they don't, there's not, I mean, Rex Burkhead's going to be the leading target back, running back. So we'll talk about Pierce. But point being, narrow target tree. Yes, Cooks and Collins, and that's it possibly here on a Houston team that should be much better in offense. So, yeah, and I like how the draft uh, people, you know, draft college wa- and, and tape watchers like Collins, and he's been getting some good good hype this this offseason too. So I'm with you on Nico. I have him ranked as a borderline top 50 fantasy wideout as well. Yeah, I think he's so underrated. Just take him with your last round every single time. Um, I had somebody tweet me their like best ball portfolio today. And, you know, he's like, I can't stop taking Nico Collins in the 14th round. It's like 40% of his drafts. Like, great. I mean, he's going to some it. of the other guys that he's around uh, there. Give me a break. He's going to outproduce those players. All right. Draft Nico Collins the last round. Draft Davis Mills in your super flex leagues. Take Brandon Cooks around the 20th wide receiver for like a safe floor. But Dalton, let's wrap up this Texans hype. I mean, my God, we've talked about the Texans so much and, you know, got a, even got Joe Flacco, some pop here, the Texans section. Damian Pierce, how high is too high? Um, what, what more do we need to see throughout the rest of the preseason? Okay, so not good workout metrics here or college production or draft capital. But Graham Barfield's yards created model loved him and has the second uh, most uh, missed tackles force. Um, some other nerd stats. Uh, his rushing success rate was 17% above his running back teammate average. The next highest was 10.8%. So this and this avoided tackle rate is like top three behind only Javante Williams and Travis Etienne. So he, this guy can make plays. We all saw how he looked in that preseason opener. And if Houston's a better offense, like I expect with Davis Mills, you know, taking the leap in these receivers. I mean, Rex Burkhead, I agree. And you're going to say that Burkhead's going to annoy fantasy managers, and he for surely is. But yeah. Marlon Mack, man, does he ever return from that Achilles at all? I think this might be the thinnest running back room in the entire NFL behind him. And he looks like an exciting rookie with fresh legs. Probably not going to rack up the catches, but... Man, I, I don't know. As we talk through all this, we went through that horrible dead zone. I mean, Pierce has less competition for touches in a decent Texans backfield. Why should he not be all the way up there above all that other group we talked about earlier? I mean, really, you're going to draft David Montgomery or Antonio Gibson over this guy? I mean, I'm not. Yeah, um, to reference this draft, I don't know if people like to hear about the drafts that we're in, but <laughs> it's worth, I guess it's worth talking about. You know, he went as running back 36 in this draft, and I think that's probably where he ends up um, in most, like, you know, drafts that are going to happen over the next couple of weeks and whatever. And I, I'm totally in, right? Because I, whatever you think about Damian Pierce as a prospect, I, I will say this, everybody that's like a Florida Gators fan, will just curse Dan Mullen about this, that he didn't play Damian Pierce more and didn't make him more of a factor. So some of those college stats, like you mentioned, the production profile, like the fact that his metrics were so much better than his other teammates on like a per carry basis, I think does kind of speak to that frustration. Um, so I like Pierce and, and um, I mean, Dalton's, like I said, going to have him as a top 10, uh, top 10. I'm not kidding. Back. I just moved him to number 21. Cause I like, I would honestly draft him above all those guys. We talked about acres. Um, I would draft him ahead of, <laughs> ahead of them. So there we go. All right. Done and done. Dude, right. let's go. My work uh, here is done. <laughs> his work here is done, man. Yeah. Damien Pierce. We're here to get you on the hype train. I mean, it's It's great that so many folks, from te- like John McClain from the Texans, uh, longtime yes. beat writers, like if they're not starting him in week one, they're not putting out their best lineup. Yeah, love McClain. Started started in the diehard franchise, and he's one of the best beat writers too, John McClain. But no, when he said that, you got got to take that serious. He's one of the beat writers in all seriousness. That like when he talks, it usually happens. And dude, he, he's just clearly been a standout in practices. Again, go look at the go watch the tape. That for it was pretty awesome. His vision <laughs> and pass protection. There was a highlight of him him looking good out there. So yeah, I, I guess I'm I'm buying the the rookie hype here with him. Yeah, he's not going to be like a, a three down back because of um right. because of Rex Burkhead. I we said that on the the grenades episode that he's going to be like that guy for sure. But if we Burkhead's get thirty two years old, dude, I mean, what is over under games played? Four and a half. I mean, come on. 
fucked up. Take the over, man. Um, rested with the starters in preseason. Uh, so yeah, if Damien Pierce gets to like, if we see him getting preseason like first te- first team carries, like he's gonna get really steamed up the draft board. But right now, I don't I don't think there's a better um, easier path to starting running back touches going outside the top uh, 40 backs right now than Damian Pierce. And, you know, there's just, it's just upside with the unknown. That's really all we're betting on here. Ambiguous backfield upside of the unknown here with Damian Pierce. That's a potential fantasy breakout guy. And uh, clearly Dalton is excited about the Houston Texas offense. So maybe not the worst offensive ecosystem in the entire world, but Dalton, man, your work here is done. You've been incredible. We've hyped up guys like uh, Joe Flacco, Nico Collins, and Damian Pierce here for the last few minutes uh, and, and tore down consensus top 20 fantasy backs. That's a Dalton Del Don episode, baby. We'd love to see it. But we're going to take a break now, and we're going to say goodbye to Dalton. But when we come back, we're going to be joined by Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers. Let's go, man. It's going to be awesome. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back, and I am so, so happy, so excited to be joined by my buddy, Jason Moore from the Fantasy Footballers, the Fantasy Footballers people. Jason, how you doing, man? How's it going? Uh, I'm doing great. It's a busy season this time of year, which is the most fun <laughs> season for us fantasy football lunatics, and it is very nice to be here with you. It's been It's been too long since we've connected. Not many people know this, but you are the only in-studio guest of all time on the Fantasy Footballers, and not only uh, in-studio, you were in the OG studio. Oh, yeah. I think uh, Andy and I were talking about that somewhat recently on Twitter last few weeks or whatever, and um, yeah, man, like to see you guys go from that studio, uh, that studio set up there in, in, was it like Andy's guest bedroom or something? It was his son's bedroom until we kicked him out. Eviction. Oh, well. I mean, to be fair, he wasn't paying. Yeah, if you're gonna, <laughs> yeah, he wasn't paying rent, and now you guys are paying the bills. So uh, give me a break here, people. Yeah, totally worth it. Um, yeah, the, the, your guys' rise has been awesome. I was so happy to be there for that. I mean, you know, Charlie playing with the kids downstairs while I was recording a pod with the fantasy footballers. This is awesome, man. It has been way too long. Uh, clearly, you guys have upgraded the studio set up there with the UDK merge, the the fantasy footballers. Like, it looks awesome. It looks awesome. But Thank uh, you. Jason. We have serious business to talk about today. You know, I feel like on this show and your your guys' show too and all the fantasy shows during this time of year, we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, our favorite sleepers, these breakout players, stuff like that. I mean, Dalton and I just did like 15 minutes on damn Nico Collins before you hopped on the show here. So, uh, yeah, we go a little too deep sometime. I feel like it's good to pull back the curtain and talk more about the, the guys that, you know, folks that are going to start listening to the show over the next few weeks are going to be drafting early on. So I wanted to kind of almost run through like a first round diagnosis with you today. I just published my first round, first two round mock on the website earlier this week. So I thought it was fitting. Um, Why don't we start with like your top five ideal picks Um, and, and starting with the top two, who are who do you who do you think should go off the board first? Are you a Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey guy like I am, or are you going different direction? Uh, I'm the same two in a different order. I think Christian McCaffrey, then Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor, nice. awesome. He's younger. He's got less injury risk. So if you want to be risk adverse, obviously we know the ceiling. He was the running back one last year. It was kind of a down year, though, for the running back position. I think he would have been about running back three the year prior um you can't really talk down well it's pretty easy to talk down Christian McCaffrey I mean if you've drafted him you know <laughs> but at the same time you know all running backs get injured they they all do they're all going to miss games over the course of their career and there we have so many examples you know Frank Gore was a huge injury risk Keenan Allen was a huge injury risk these guys were just like oh they can't stay healthy they'll never be healthy and then they were Ironmen so Christian McCaffrey he's got the ability the chance the opportunity to catch near a hundred balls 
and he's the primary running back. That's just there's he's one of one. And so for me, if I'm at the top of the draft, I know it takes courage or stupidity. I'm not sure entirely which one, <laughs> but I think he is the right pick. You've got the head coach for the Indianapolis Colts coming out saying, look, you don't win championships being a ground and pound team. They want to throw the ball more. They have another talented running back. And so I think that there is the possibility for regression, especially considering that he, you know, Jonathan Taylor just literally had the most red zone rushing attempts of all time. So that's probably going to come down. And while he's my number two, I put Christian McCaffrey ahead of him. And I think you're so right to say it takes some sort of um, some sort of fortitude to to do it. Right. Um, Scott and I talked about that on the show just recently, as much as, you know, I can sit there and tell you, and you're so right to say this, that the role we throw around unique and generational, but his role that he has is truly rare for fantasy football. Like it is ultra rare. You just don't see that type of stuff from any player at, at the running back position. And still, despite the fact that I know all that and believe that, you know, I've had the second overall pick in a few drafts recently, and I still sit there and go, eh, and eventually you do it, but there is that moment of hesitation. So I think it's going to be really good for folks out there that have a top two pick to hear you, even even if they do want to go Jonathan Taylor at one, even just to hear you say that, because I really think it goes under discussed in our fantasy bubble, just how much that's going to be mega tilting for uh, for the regular oh, folks out it's, there. It's, it's so hard. And honestly, you know, if, if we get asked the question all the time, like, what's your favorite place? Well, I get, I get to pick in my league where, you know, my where I'm drafting from. My favorite spot is the 102, baby. <laughs> like, let that decision not fall on me. Yeah. Let someone, okay, they take Christian McCaffrey, boo-hoo, I got Jonathan Taylor. Or that makes it much easier to grab Christian McCaffrey at the second spot since he's kind of the consensus uh, 102, I would say, usually. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I do love when the decision gets made for you, and it's like, okay, well, that. That's great. Although I will say I was I was thrown off the other uh, this weekend. I was in a draft and somebody took Justin Jefferson second overall. I was like, well, damn it. That doesn't <laughs> that kind of messes up the plan there that Jason and I are just talking about. But so on that note, let's move to the next three picks there, because I don't know. To me, I feel like there's a tier cut off there at, at five. I think the next three guys go Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson, Austin Eckler. Do you feel differently? Do you feel there's anyone else that should be involved in that top five? Or, or you kind of think that's the next consensus group? So we're we're right there with three and four. We're in sync. I go Cooper Cup, Justin Jefferson in that order. You know, if, if Cooper Cup loses 500 yards and five touchdowns, he's the wide receiver one still. So it's like, yeah. um, you know, regression will come and that's okay. But the fifth spot is really where it becomes much, much more difficult now. And there's a couple of players like Austin Eckler, probably the running back I'd put there, but I'm never excited. You know, I'm never, he had such a big workload and he's not a gigantic guy and they brought in Isaiah Spiller, but there's question marks with everyone. You could put Derrick Henry there, but really the two players that I find myself interested at that fifth spot because there are, to me, when it when it comes to the running back three versus the running back like eight or nine, I mean, I could put them all in a, in a hat and draw one out and say this, I could make you a good argument for why that guy is the running back three. So I've been going wide receiver at five, and that's either Jamar Chase, who was obviously unbelievable, and now he's coming into his second year, and you think, well, he's he can't get better, but yeah, you can. And I, yeah. I think Stephon Diggs deserves a little bit more love in that conversation with this middle of the first round. I don't hear a lot of that, but he could have been better than he was last year. When you look at his red zone and end zone targets, he's on a great offense, obviously. He just got paid buku bucks. So he, he's, he seems like he's super safe with a high ceiling. I find myself at the five spot wanting wide receivers more, and obviously this depends on your league format are you ppr are you standard do you have three wide receivers or two wide receivers or two flex but that's that's my in a vacuum top five uh, listen you're not going to get any pushback you know this you're not going to get any pushback from me coming on this show and talk about stefan diggs as a potential <laughs> top five fantasy pick um i i love it and i agree with you that 
I think that there's a tier of four in terms of the like the first wide receivers off the board. Like it should be Cup, it should be Jefferson, and honestly, Chase and Diggs. I know I know Dalton's got Diggs over uh, Chase this year, and I, I don't hate that because he just checks every box, man. I mean, elite separator, elite player. We know that, and th- that bankable target share is awesome. We've spent all summer, you know, going back and forth about. Well, Gabe Davis is the number two receiver. Isaiah McKenzie is now the slot guy. Like there's been all these heated debates about these guys behind digs. And part of me is like, all right, what if it's just more <laughs> Steph Diggs? What if it's just right. more, more goodness to the best player in the passing offense? So I, I, I love that one there. I mean, it's digs feels great. If you can get him anywhere, even in the late first round. Yeah. The, uh, uh it, it just, it makes so much sense for him to have a 30% target share than to have these unproven guys come in and take over and dominate this offense that he already dominates yeah I I love it yeah no arguments on Chase either so let's dive in a little more on those running backs I mean the next two guys for me are and I just recently made this change moved Dalvin Cook ahead of Derrick Henry in my rankings Um, I think that Dalvin Cook has sort of been not slept on but I don't think he's gotten the same sort of bump in the industry from uh the the change in the vikings coaching staff going to more progressive from like a boomer based offense like they're gonna be like justin jefferson people are hyped about that but i think that same excitement needs to trend over to dalvin cook as well a hundred percent i mean honestly you brought up okay should it be austin eckler there well austin eckler scored 20 touchdowns and was the running back too so like of course except touchdowns are not always a sticky stat There are some guys that do it more often than others, but you look back at the running back position, and even these guys who have monster touchdown years, they go back and forth. Look at Alvin Kamara. Some years it's like, oh, he's got 16, 14 rushing touchdowns, and the next year he's got four or five. You've got that now with Austin Eckler, who just had the huge, massive amount of, you know, 20 touchdowns, does not repeat very often. And then you look at Alvin Cook, and it was a touchdown problem. I mean, 13 touchdowns three years ago. 16 touchdowns two years ago six like the opportunity was the same he didn't have less of an opportunity just sometimes that's the way you know it's it's Calvin Johnson the year he got tackled at the two yard line or in like six times sometimes the ball just doesn't bounce your way and if you look at the raw numbers aside from that you look at the projected uptick for the Minnesota Vikings offense to me it's it's a coin flip between those two guys my rankings in a half ppr league i do have austin eckler one spot ahead of dalvin cook but actually i've got both of those guys behind derrick henry yeah i think we talk about derrick henry next because he's sort of similar to christian mccaffrey that i guess it's not it's not it shouldn't be similar i think people will have the same type of trepidation but the reality is with derrick henry you know i think you got to ask yourself about carry cliffs and stuff like that like is he getting close to those thresholds for sure but i mean shoot jason like if you had derrick henry in in your league last year you can't really be pissed about drafting him because he basically carried you up until the moment he exited stage left which is unfortunate but my god like he was a huge advantage the weeks that he was in there uh i had the question posed was he a bad draft pick last year like because it's like well yeah he didn't yeah but then you go was he I'm not sure. I play in yeah, four primary leagues. Like, like I, I play in a couple of more, but there's four leagues that I'm dedicated to that, you know, I've been in a long time. And three of those four champions had Derrick Henry on their roster. Obviously not in their lineup championship week, but they all got to the playoffs. They all got there. And the fourth one in the, in the league that didn't have the Derrick Henry roster winning the championship, he lost in the championship. So he got there. Derrick Henry really yeah. was great and you look at how good Jonathan Taylor was last year 20.8 fantasy points per game in a half PPR league 23 a game for Derrick Henry the whole question really primarily is just health injury he's a big heavy back who's running on a broken foot you worry about re-injury and we've dove a little deeper really really recently because we've had Derrick Henry discussions on the show and I am a couple weeks ago was saying I find myself passing him over and over and over. Like I'll go a little bit later in my draft and I'm just like, I just don't want him. I just, yeah, I know he's my running back three, but I don't want to, I don't want to pull the trigger. I'm worried about the injury. I'm worried about the age. I'm worried about the career carry counts. But recently we did more digging 
the 20% re-injury rate is if you come back quick from the injury. He had three more weeks than the normal timeline that allows you to go down to a 10% re-injury risk. And the specific screw that was put in and the and the and the procedure that he had really in the recent history of running backs is down to five percent re-injury risk so it's not to say something else couldn't pop up but it really is like that at that point i mean dalvin cook's injury with the shoulder has a 20 percent re-injury risk we don't talk about it yeah because he usually plays through it whereas the device still dominates whatever but i do think derrick henry is you know for someone that just a couple of minutes ago, it was like, you got to have the courage and draft Christian McCaffrey number one. Derrick Henry should dominate. And he was even seeing targets last year. And now with the vacation of uh, of A.J. Brown, you know, it's like, shouldn't Derrick Henry get catch even more passes? So I think I, I feel comfortable grabbing him off after Austin Eckler and Dalvin Cook. I'm more comfortable in the pass catchers. Uh, then I would pull the trigger on Derrick Henry. I mean, listen, shout out to Derrick Henry. Uh, never had any bad queso in the intro of the new, the new intro of the show. We love Derrick Henry. And, and I, I, man, if, if Derrick Henry finished the season as the running back one overall, I wouldn't be surprised. If he fell off the cliff this year, I probably wouldn't be surprised either. The, the thing, though, is the argument is the history of running backs, the amount of carries, that type of stuff. Well, Derrick Henry's already been an outlier to this point in his career. We, I don't think we've ever seen a running back that looks – uh, or moves or is built like Derrick Henry being this type of guy. So I hear you, man. I mean, I, the Titans to me, I've said this a few times, feel like the most volatile team in the NFL. Like I can see them being really good again and all these things hitting or, you know, a lot going wrong for the Titans. And I think Derrick Henry as a fantasy player just kind of encapsulates that. Yeah. The Titans were a team that last year I was, I was worried about their offense. Like what if one player goes down, they were so shallow. And then they had, AJ Brown go down and then they had Derrick Henry go yeah. down and then they were still good. And they're just, they're only good players. They're only good players on that damn offense. And, and, but, but then, you know, they're so well coached and I, you know, at this yeah. point it's like, I don't want to, I, I don't want to disrespect Vrabel and the Titans organization by having that pessimism because they've earned my optimism at this point. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. All right. Um, before we move on to the second round, the last three guys, I have in kind of my top 12 overall and in my, my first round mock are all running backs. I've got Aaron Jones, Najee Harris, and DeAndre Swift in that order. I I've, I know I'm like out on an island way too high on Aaron Jones this year. Um, so maybe you can tell me uh, I'm nuts. I'm totally fine with that. But those three running backs, do you actually have anyone else in the first round mix? Um, and where are you on those three guys specifically? Yeah, so you said Aaron Jones, Najee, and who? And DeAndre Swift. Oh, yeah. So, uh, I, look, I love Aaron Jones and DeAndre Swift. Those are two guys I have so many shares of when I've been doing my best ball drafts. The reason I have so many, though, is because you don't have to spend a first rounder on them. If if you're at the back of the first, I think it's a mistake to grab Aaron Jones or DeAndre Swift because I think you will get them if you let them go to the second round because usually that's where they're going is a couple picks into the second if you want your guy and you think Aaron Jones, he's going to get the target share. We, we have a lot of research proving that, you know, when there's vacated targets, it doesn't usually go to the other wide receivers, the incoming wide receivers. It goes to the running back position. That's the biggest bump up. No one is more trusted than Aaron Jones. So I am 100% fine with that. Uh, you know, I've got Aaron Jones pretty high. I think he's an excellent pick. Najee would be there. And then for me, the the guy or guys that are also in my first round, Joe Mixon. He's not a fun, super awesome, sexy pick, but their offensive line is vastly improved. They have a coach that I often refer to as a coward because he loves to, (laughs) he's going to kick that field goal. He's going to punt that ball and he's going to run the ball, even though he's got what could be a future hall of fame quarterback. And I hope I'm wrong. Like I, you know, I'm kind of down a little bit on Burrow this year because I don't think they're going to let him really open it up and get 650 to 700 passing attempts like they should. But if they don't do that, and they got to the Super Bowl by not doing that last year, Joe Mixon should be great. I mean, Joe Mixon was the running back three last year, and he gets no respect. So he's there. Um, and then Alvin Kamara's a real question mark. I would not draft him in the first because of the. Even though currently it seems everyone agrees the legal uh, proceedings should not result in a suspension this year, there is still that risk. And 
he's falling far out of the first round. So you don't need to draft him there. But as far as where I've got guys ranked, right. that's how I've got the rest of the first. Yeah, I think we're pretty much on the same page there. I'm, I agree. Like the Camara situation could change like that. And it could change like that even in the middle of the year. You never know. So it is it is pretty risky. And there's also questions about the Saints offense generally as well. Um, all right, Jason, you're here uh, today on behalf of your guys' work with Spotify Live, what you've got going on this year. So why don't you tell me and the people out there what you guys are doing with Spotify Live this year. Yeah, so Spotify Live, basically uh, every single Wednesday we are doing a live show that anybody can participate in. You can join the Spotify Live app. You can ask your questions. You can come up on stage and literally talk to us, get your questions answered. Or if you just want to listen, you can do that just on the Spotify app. But every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, we're going to be live. So uh, we call it the party room if you want to search for the party room because <laughs> really it's 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 a fun platform where, you know, when we've got the podcast, we, we've we got our outline, our agenda. We're going to talk about everything going on. When we've got the party room, you know, the, the tie is gone. Not that we ever wear a tie, yeah. you know. Okay, the pants are gone, and we're just having a good time. <laughs> we're just, you know, taking your questions having a fun experiment and we can ask some questions and kind of poll the audience for instant reactions it's just a, a fun new medium for fantasy football i mean sounds awesome like the people definitely want their questions answered and yeah my god jason i i've known you guys for you know several years now i'm not sure i've seen any one of you ever wear a tie so it sounds like uh <laughs> not even sounds like right up your <laughs> sounds like right up your guys alley i think people will love that um you guys have built one of the best communities in, in the fantasy uh, football space. So I'm sure you'll flood that with a lot of folks there as well. That's going to be awesome. People getting their questions answered by three of the best in the business. Sounds pretty killer. Uh, well, thank I think people will be looking forward to that. All right. So second round here and we can go, kind of, we, we won't go pick by pick with this one. We'll go a little more rapid fire. I do want to talk to you about CD lamb though, because I listen, Scott, Andy Dalton, Love those guys, but I know what those knuckleheads and their opinions are about players. I think that CeeDee Lamb's a fascinating guy to talk about, and I have him at the very top of the second round because, oh, man, I, I just think he's so good. Number one, he's good at the game, and there's a real good shot. I think he leads the NFL in receiving yards and, and targets. I've been saying that for a few months now just because the construction of that offense in Dallas, they play pretty fast. They, they throw the ball more than people think, and, I mean, Jason, it's like they're about to have to call me and you to line up a wide receiver for them uh, this year. And, and my knees are shot, so good luck with that. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a super test. I have loved CeeDee Lamb. He was a my guy for me last year, so you know that I believe in the talent. He's he's unbelievable. The depth chart is him and nobody. I believe last I, I saw someone tweet out that he is the only wide receiver who has a touchdown catch on their career that is currently like active playing for them. That's how bad it is. And I find myself terrified of him. He's probably the scariest. Like when it oh, when, man. when it comes to my stats, you know, like the counting stats, stat all these players out. I have CD Lamb pretty high. I mean, he's he's currently my wide receiver eight. So that's that's great. That's that's a player you take in the second round. I've taken him plenty of places. But I am terrified. And the reason I'm terrified is because we're gonna find out whether or not the fact that Dak has never really hyper targeted a wide receiver one, is it because of the cast of characters he's been given? Or is it because he is a quarterback that spreads the ball around and plays in an offensive system? Literally, the highest target he's ever had was Des Bryant back in the day, was 132. And I'm saying this from memory. I might be off a couple. But I, I looked this up a couple weeks ago, and I was like, man, no matter what happens every single year, there's just like most of his highest targeted players finish at like 119, 120 targets. CeeDee Lamb should have like 170 targets on this offense this year, yeah. but I'm not sure it's coming, and that's no fault to CeeDee Lamb. So if he ends the year with 135 targets and becomes the highest targeted player of Dak's uh, you know, history, that's not good enough. He's got to get up to yeah. 145, 155 targets to, to capitalize on this value, and I hope he does. I've got him in some high-stakes leagues, my dynasty leagues. I love him, but I worry about the system. Yeah, and I think your point, too, about the other side of this, because I have definitely been on the case of, like, 
losing Michael Gallup for some stretch of this year and just Amari Cooper for the entire year is going to make a huge difference because the, the player quality, I think, really matters with the target share. But there's a part of me, too, that has that hesitation, even though I know I, I know that's how I feel and that's how I'm going to rank and that's how I'm going to play this year as if CeeDee Lamb is going to have that type of season. The thing I worry about, too, is not just the DAC part of it, but there's a lot of criticism like from Troy Aikman in the, in the playoff game about how, and, and some others whispering, you know, about Kellen Moore that they spread that the system is designed on the plays and not the player. But I mean, my God, if Dallas is going to go in and, and try to spread the ball around to, I like Jalen Tolbert, but like Jalen Tolbert, and Noah Brown, and even Dalton Schultz is kind of like a whatever tight end talent, even though he's good in fantasy, that offense is going to stink this year. Uh, that's just like, it's not going to be as good as it needs to be. So that, that has me worried. Yeah, I can certainly see that. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's let's finish it up with this, Jason. Are there any kind of guys in the second round? You know, you mentioned you're my guys. Is there anyone that you're willing to stand on the table for or against? Because my second round to me, it looks like there's a lot of players I'm that are sort of around the same level to me. And I think it's kind of a toss-up, which is more than I can say for the first round, which has a lot of potential pitfalls in it. But anyone that you're kind of way out on the limb like i'm not drafting this guy at all where he's going in the second round or like actually i'm willing to boost this guy up into a pretty uh juicy area yeah i mean uh, well we for definitely we talked about the the aaron jones deandre swift that's the guys that i really 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 love in the second round i'm always taking them uh, the guy that i find myself the most intrigued by i always want to click his name i often do and he's near the back of the second round it is a risky pick but no risk it, no biscuit. I'm taking Javante Williams in the second round. Oof. He has the talent, and he is on an offense that can produce a top-five running back pick. I mean, if, you know, Melvin Gordon is a part of this offense. Melvin Gordon is good. Melvin Gordon was good for last year, and he's going to really annoy. No matter how much Javante Williams gets, Melvin Gordon is going to annoy us for fantasy. But Javante was the running back 17 last year in a 50-50 split with Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. So you're you're <laughs> you're not drafting him much above that ceiling right now. If anything happens to Melvin Gordon or he just wins the job and ends up at a 70%, there's not a bunch of players around where he's going, you know, the Nick Chubb and James Conner. I'm looking at a draft I did where the next two backs right by him and it was like, no, they don't have the upside that Javante has. Javante yeah, You know, if, if Melvin Gordon went down today, he just retires. He comes out and says, yeah, I'm done with football. My foot hurts. I'm, I'm going to bow out. Where would Javante be drafted? Could, I mean, he could be that number three spot. Like, overall, you, you could yeah. be drafting him instead of Austin Eckler or Cooper Cup uh, because he's the dude on a great offense, and he's so talented. He's so young. He can get every kind. He can beat you to the edge. He can break tackles. He can catch the ball. So he's he's probably the guy in the second round that I find myself at least the most excited for, you know, probability wise. There's guys that probably finish ahead of him, but I'm trying to win my league, not finish, you know, top four. Yeah, we had Josh Norris on the show and he kind of explained it as there's a chance you take a small loss with Javante Williams if you draft him in this range like maybe he finishes behind like some of those guys like Nick Chubb and, and James Conner I could totally see him finishing behind some of those guys but there's a chance he way outshoots them uh because of the things that you mentioned like if Melvin Gordon was to get hurt you know we talk about this all the time with like the backup running back like well if anything ever happened Javante Williams Melvin Gordon would shoot up the board but same thing though like for a guy like Mac uh, for for Melvin Gordon if he goes down Javante Williams is gonna crush it yeah you're making me you're making me want to boost him up here a little bit more just because of that let's uh, keep his ADP Look, down okay let's keep it right where it's at <laughs> Yeah, let's keep him in the third round range. That's fair. Um, last thing here for you, Jason. Anyone that goes in that second round range consensus that you actually kind of feel like, you know, we talked about CeeDee Lamb, but anyone else that's got you a little bit nervous as well? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about Tyreek Hill. Um, I, I don't think it is without possibility that he could be the number two target in this offense. I don't have it projected that way, but that is a realistic outcome with Tua and his relationship and connection uh, with Jalen Waddell. Um, and I, I'll, I'll throw out one in the first round that we haven't talked about. Maybe he slides into the second. I probably still wouldn't. But, like, that would be Travis Kelsey. I'm just O-U-T. Uh, I realize he's now the dude with Tyreek Hill gone. That being said, like, 
he was great last year. Travis Kelsey uh, was, you know, like he always is. He's the best tight end in, in fantasy football. And if you look at his advance rates for drafting him at the back of the first last year, they were horrific. They were about as good as Anthony Ferkser's advance rates. You're sacrificing too much. And now he's going to be playing at 33 where he's the focal point of the defense. Like, uh, I I just I think it's a mistake. I, I mean, I've got Mark Andrews as the tight end one this year over Kelsey in a vacuum. And you can get Andrews at the back of the second where you, you know, you could probably grab, depending on certain leagues, grab uh, – Andrews and Javante at that two three turn versus grabbing Kelsey and sacrificing one of those Aaron Jones, DeAndre Swift, uh, Najee Harris type players. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I, I don't have Travis Kelsey ranked in that first round range, and I do really like taking Mark Andrews. If you can if you can get him in the back of the second, you can get him early in the third. I feel so good about that. Um, at my tight end spot, recently took him in a draft as well. Well, Jason, this was awesome. I appreciate you hanging out with me. It sounds like you guys have just a ton of killer stuff coming up this year, which is no shock from the great fantasy footballers. <laughs> yeah, we're we're busy. We're doing it every day, and we'll be doing it every day until it is 2023 at some point. <laughs> at some point. Now with this extra week, we don't even exactly. really. It's like, I, oh, I don't know. It's 2023. I used to say we're through December, working. but now it's like, I don't know, till 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 you're till you've won your championship. Okay. That's we'll get you to your championship and then we'll take a vacation. Yeah, and then we'll take a vacation, maybe see our families, uh, you know, all that type of stuff after that. But until then, we're here for you. The footballers are here for you, and we love it. Thank you so much for hanging out with us, Jason. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Love talking to you, Harmon. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks so much to Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers for joining us. Make sure you're keeping up with all of their work, and make sure, of course, you follow Jason on Twitter, at JasonFFL. You can also follow Dalton uh, to see what kind of Twitter beef he's into this week, at Dalton Del Don. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And, of course, while you're there, make sure you're following at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm going to be back tomorrow to talk about the intriguing Miami Dolphins. We heard Jason talk about Tyree Kill. I'm sure Frank Schwab. Oh, the great Frank Schwab. And I will be breaking that down tomorrow. Until then, we're out.